Hello, everyone. Welcome to New Mexicast. I'm Rosalinda Roman, and before we get started, I want to share what you can expect here on this podcast. First, you should know that my family lives on a sailing catamaran, and this is my personal audio journal. What you're about to hear is an episode from 2016 when we were just starting our journey of moving from our home in New Mexico onto the boat. As a longtime broadcast journalist, I wasn't sure how I was going to keep working while pursuing this crazy new lifestyle. This journal is where I worked through a lot of things, both personally and professionally. That means you will hear about experiments with new technologies like Blab and Periscope and testing out systems to make the move easier, like Wild Tree meal prep and KonMari for downsizing our stuff. As you can imagine, some of these experiments were successful, while some, like Blab and Wild Tree, don't even exist anymore. But I decided to leave even the failed experiment in this audio journal so you could get the whole story of how we went from New Mexicast to New Mexicastaways. If you like what you hear, please stick around till the end and I'll share how you can find out where we are now and how you can get much more content by joining the New Mexicastaways crew. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to New Mexicast, or as I affectionately like to call it, New Mexicastaways Audio Edition. This is where I, Rosalinda Roman, share my family's adventures and stories behind the scenes of um, of living aboard a 45-foot sailing catamaran. I'm heading back to Fort Lauderdale International Airport. It is 5:10 a.m which means we left uh, the west, the Riviera Beach Marina, where our boat is, at about four o'clock this morning. This is actually the second, second approach to the airport because um, my husband, who is flying to New, back to New Mexico, Nathan, uh, realized he forgot something in the car. Uh, I just got um, our guests and my husband to the airport um, along with our daughter, Ziva. Ziva's going to New Mexico for a week-long summer camp, and Nathan's going to New Mexico to do his clinical rotation. Uh, he's a physician, and so he goes usually once a week, I mean once a month, he spends a week in Alamogordo, New Mexico, so that he can do his doctor work, his clinical work. Um, but this time he's actually doing two weeks this month because Ziva had uh, summer camp and so he's taking her there. Our daughter Ahava is not going to this camp, which they've gone to for the past two years before this, uh, together. And Ahava's not going because she is training uh, very vigorously for uh, her gymnastics, trying to get to the next level before the gymnastics season starts. Uh, the other people I dropped off at the airport were my sister-in-law, Anna, and my nephew, Julian. I think they had a really good time. We certainly enjoyed having them. Uh, and these are our last uh, scheduled guests until, um, actually, at 
this point, they're the last ones that we have on the schedule. They no, nobody else that we know of has a trip planned as of right now. Of course, one of my sisters, Sarah, works for United Airlines, so there's always the chance that there might be a last-minute trip. But um, as of right now, we have no nobody coming to visit us, and um, I have loved having our guests, but I'm actually looking forward to just quiet downtime um, on on the boat just us <laughs> so uh, this will be the first time actually with obviously Ziva and Nathan gone uh, it, we won't all be together until they get back which will be August 8th so as of right now which is uh, I think it's July 30th um, we won't have any more visitors that we know of and then in a week a little over a week um, Ziva and Nathan will be back and then the whole crew of the Dawn Treader will be back together with no visitors and that's been that's a first <laughs> it's been a while um, so anyway I just got back to the airport I'm gonna pull over and uh, let Nathan get what he forgot in the car and then I will be right back All right, so they got their stuff. Ziva saw the uh, colored pencils um, in the side of the door and she was very happy about it and grabbed them, but then accidentally dropped them and uh, they are kind of in a hurry. I didn't want to make them panic, but it's 5.15 now and their um, flight leaves at six o'clock and they have to still get through security. So hopefully they'll be okay. Um, and now I am going to hit the road again, back to West Palm Beach, Riviera Beach Marina, where Miss Linda, our liveaboard nanny, and uh, Ahava and Samuel are hopefully still sleeping, because at least somebody will get to sleep, right? <sighs> okay, so I know this has been a crazy beginning of the, the podcast, but I guess if you've been listening to these episodes at all you are probably comfortable with that because that's just how the how I roll on this show. Usually I record it when I'm driving from one place to another uh, because that's when I have the most alone time and quiet time after having dropped somebody off at some activity, or in this case, going to the airport, um, or coming back from, pick, uh, you know, picking about to pick someone up from an activity. That seems to be the best time for me to record. I know audio-wise it's not the best because like right now I can, you hear the, the um, road noises and you know lots of different sounds, but hopefully it's enough that you can actually hear some of my ramblings if you want to. <laughs> so, um, so let's think about what's going on lately. We, besides obviously having guests, um, we're really just getting to know the boat and how everything maneuvers and what needs to be fixed and what needs to be upgraded. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to this week. And my daughter, Ahava, the one that is uh, the gymnast, it told me uh, last night, she said, oh, I'm so excited about this upcoming week. And I said, why? Because I couldn't think of anything that we have going on. We're just hanging out. And she said, I'm going to finally get to KonMari my clothes and, and everything on the boat. And I was like, she's right, because now we don't have guests and we're going to just be home for the first time since we moved aboard. We will be home for, at, well, she and I and Samuel aren't going anywhere and Linda, as far as I know. 
Um, so we're going to be able to have some time to actually process what we have on the boat, figure out what sparks joy, and get rid of anything that doesn't. Um, if you haven't listened to my past episodes, the way that we managed to downsize to move on to this 45-foot sailing catamaran is that uh, we used a system called KonMari, which is based on a book by a woman named Marie Kondo, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up is her book, and we applied those principles that she teaches in the book to downsize our house in New Mexico and and get to this point where we could move on to this boat, because obviously living on a boat, it's pretty much minimalism. I don't know if that's right. I know there's a movement of minimalism. That's for us, it's just getting rid of a lot of stuff and getting and downsizing. And specifically, the, the way you do that through uh, KonMari is you, uh, you get rid of anything that doesn't spark joy. You hold each item that you own in your hand, and you, one thing at a time, ask yourself if this sparks joy. And if it does not, then it, it has to go. Um, and we did that for our house in New Mexico all but the sentimental category, the last category. We, we did whittle it down quite a bit, um, but we put our most sentimental things that still need to be kind of processed and sorted through. Uh, I have a locked cabinet in my house in New Mexico, and um, we put stuff in there to be sorted through at a later date. So we went through all the categories, and you start with clothing, you go through books, you go to... Um, papers, kimono, which is miscellaneous items, and you just one step at a time go through every part of your house. And that's what we did. And then we got here, and now we realize there's still clutter around the boat. And we really have to downsize even more than we already have. So um, at this point, this week, I'm going to probably have Miss Linda find some fun things to do with Samuel um, and I'll work while Ahava's at gymnastics and when Ahava is not at gymnastics she and I are going to downsize around the boat. There's a lot of things once you move aboard you realize well it seemed like I needed that but I really don't Um, and everything has to be off the counters and we really need to uh, clear the the space because when you're underway You obviously don't want things cluttering up the counters because if you hit a wave, everything falls. (laughs) So everything has to have a place and be put away very nicely uh, each time. Um, We have now had three sets of visitors along with just day guests and and even some strangers who have joined us uh, for the 4th of July. Uh, Very nice family that we met from Canada. So... um, We've had a chance to get to know the boat more as um, hosts than as just people living there, <laughs> which has been fun because I'm a people person and I've enjoyed that. Um, but we learned some things the hard way because we, in some in some ways, were ill prepared for um, the needs of different people when you're living on a boat. When you're coming to visit someone who lives on a boat, one of the first things that I I actually did read in someone else's blog um, because they basically wrote a a checklist or or suggestions for their guests that came to visit. Um, One of the best suggestions that I saw was to not bring any um, solid luggage 
you should only bring uh, duffel bags. Rolling duffel bags are the best option because you can roll them in the airport and they're quick, you know, it's, it's like a normal suitcase, but it collapses and you can put it in a hold, like one of the, the forward holds or where, they, where you put um, like our dive gear and stuff like that. Because the thing about living on a boat is space is limited. So not only is it limited for you that lives on the boat, but when you have guests visiting, um, it can be challenging to find a space to put everything. Um, so number one, I would say always travel. If you're visiting someone who lives on a boat, you should bring a rolling duffel bag or even just a duffel bag, but, or a backpack, something that can collapse. Nothing that is like solid, hard sided suitcases because a lot of times they won't have anywhere to put it. Um, so that, luckily I did have the foresight to tell my guests that, and we had plenty of room. We actually have a lot more room than a lot of people would have on a boat, um, because we really tried to, to leave enough space for stuff like that. Um, so then, that's talking about the room for people's stuff, but making room for people was even more challenging. Um, the first time set of guests we had, my sister Becky, uh, actually the very first guest we had was uh, my niece, Christina, but she's little, <laughs> she's uh, the same age as Ziva, um, she, actually she's eight, um, and Ziva's nine, um, but they're like, they're born in the same year, so in December, Christina will be nine as well, um, but anyway, she's she's petite so she fits she can just you can the kids you can just have them sleep with your kids and it's not a big deal right um, but once you introduce grown-ups then it becomes more challenging so with our first uh, group of guests after Christina arrived my sister Becky or Rebecca as most of her army people know her as because she's a retired army from 20 years of, of service uh, had to had to squeeze that in because I'm very proud of my sis, my big sis. Um, anyway, she came with her two daughters, Sophie and Leah, and um, she uh, and so when she did, obviously we need more room, and so Miss Linda, our nanny, uh, flew back to New Mexico so that we would have room for my sister, um, and that worked out because Becky could sleep in Linda's room with one or two of the kids and um, my, and the kids, the rest of the kids all crammed in together. We ended up adding one more um, kid. My, my nephew Gabriel joined in the fun for a little bit. So we had, let's see, that's Becky, Sophie, Leah, Gabriel, Christina, Becky, Sophie, Leah, Gabriel, Christina, and then my, myself, so that's Rosalinda, um, Ahava, Ziva, and Samuel. So that was nine people, because Nathan wasn't there for part of that. But at some point he came, so we have 10 people. And then uh, there was one night where Becky had her girlfriend spend the night. So we had 11 people sleeping on our boat. Um, and so you really get a chance to test out the um, capabilities of the boat and the tolerance level of the people who are staying with you, you know, and, and the, the hosts themselves. 
Um, so one of the things that I think was real, really a saving grace for us was being at a marina. When you have guests, um, their needs are very different than, so I guess I'm talking to both people who own a boat and people who are visiting people who own a boat, right? Um, when you're living, when you're the people that live on the boat, you know how to conserve water. Like water is, you know, you have water, if you're not at a marina, you have a holding tank for water and it's limited and it's hard to get water unless you're at sea where the water is fresh and you have a water maker, um, it, you have to fill the tank and A, if you're in places like the Bahamas or other places, it costs money to, you know, uh, water, to fill up with water is not cheap. Um, I'm trying to think, I think it was like 45 cents a gallon uh, when we were in the Bahamas. I could be wrong, but it, it was not cheap. And you can imagine if you take a, a long shower, how much that would cost you. So uh, for us, being at a marina when we had guests is really was really great because marinas, at least most of them that I've been to, have shower facilities and laundry facilities. And so with that many people on board, you're gonna need to take showers. And usually if you have guests from anywhere other than like New Mexico, where we also have to conserve water a lot, um, a lot of people don't have the same water um, sensitivity, if you will, as people who live on a boat or people who live in the desert uh, do. So like our friends, like my sister, from the Lake Michigan area, she comes from Chicago, uh, they have an abundance of water and so they don't necessarily um, conserve it the way we do. And I've already trained my family, so I'm not really talking about my sister in particular, but having that many people, and especially kids, you know, they're not necessarily uh, water aware all the time. So it really is great to have uh, a marina at the marina to have showers they took long happy showers um, and it actually was a really fun cousin bonding time when they were you know you'd hear these little girls giggling and showering and acting silly um, so that was a, a, a really great uh, tip I think tip number two is if you're you have guests or you are a guest and maybe uh, the people who you're staying with say, well, we'd rather stay uh, on, on the hook. On the hook means you're either anchored out or you could um, get a mooring ball. Even if you have a mooring ball, a lot of times it's associated with a marina and you can still use the shower facilities. So um, I find that a lot of times the, the things that make things tense or difficult in such a small place, a small space with guests is they don't want to um, offend you as the host or they're afraid to speak up if something bothers them um, or vice versa. You, you want to make them comfortable and so you don't want to um, offend them. So a lot of times lack of communication can get in the way and so you may, as the guest, if you can afford it, it would maybe be really nice for you to say um, to the to the um, boat owner, hey, we would love to spend at least one night out of this week at a marina. Is that possible? And we, we would pay for it. 
um, that's something to think about if you are going to visit a boat um, because first of all if this is your first time ever visiting and staying on a boat you may not be as comfortable um, on the water as they are and and let me backtrack and tell a little story so our, our next set of guests that arrived were our friends from the Bahamas um, Rachel and her daughters Summer and Jasmine and it was Jasmine's birthday and we were so excited to take them out to go sailing and we figured they used to own a sailboat and um, so they would be very comfortable and we didn't really need to think too much about their comfort on the water well that was a mistake on our part because they were uh, Jasmine um, ended up getting seasick and which is a big disappointment because it was her birthday um, but I realized at, in hindsight uh, my friend said, well, if I had known it was this, you know, um, rough out here, I wouldn't have gone out today. And I realized to us it wasn't rough because we live on a boat and we're, to us, what is rough is relative. It's, you know, we're, we, we've been out in very high seas and strong winds and so, um, you know, our tolerance level is different than someone who lives on land. So I would say err on the side of caution if you tend to be um, a seasick tendency, like if you're, you get car sick or motion sickness, um, if you can't stand, you know, um, up and down rides at a, like a roller coaster, um, then you might consider um, bring, well for sure, bring Dramamine, uh, or if you can get a scopolamine patch, which is um, what, uh, is it has to I think it has to be prescribed by a doctor but you can if you know you're going to a boat just ask for it you put this little patch behind your ear you have to do it at least an hour before you sail and that was the mistake we made with our third guests um, my my uh, sister-in-law Anna she did put the scopolamine patch on my husband is a doctor so we keep them aboard she had it on but we put it on like five minutes before we set sail and she, it, she was already sweating so it didn't stick very well and it just I don't think the medicine actually took effect so she was pretty green for a little while there which I will give you the next tip that will help you if you do get seasick and you accidentally took the Dramamine too late or it's just not quite working uh, the next, the best thing you can do to cure seasickness, as far as we've learned, here's my, here's a few things. But uh, the first thing is um, drink seltzer water, like something bubbly and not nothing like full of sugar or any it, something light. I like to use, um, I think it's called Lacroix, something like that. It's like a seltzer water that someone once brought aboard our boat. Um, just some guests. Um, our friends the Deirdricks brought it on board um, and it really helped because this is gonna sound gross but when you have that queasy stomach and you drink some bubbly water and it makes you burp a little bit um, it helps settle your stomach and also if you can pick out more of the the sour um, flavors like the one that I think is the best is grapefruit uh, anything in the sour side of the spectrum seems to help. Now, if you are a lady who's ever been pregnant and with morning sickness, you already know this trick, right? I used to have ginger ale um, and sour lollipops <laughs> to, 
to ease my morning sickness. So same thing. They also sell these um, wristbands that you can put like on a pressure point on your wrist. And it looks like these old sweatbands, like when you were working out in the 80s. Um, that's what these things look like. But you can get them at any Walgreens. I've seen them everywhere. Uh, and you just put this, it has a little ball in the wrist, wrist band and you put that little plastic ball, or I don't know if it's plastic, but you put the ball on your, um, the pressure point, like kind of where you're uh, on the inside of your wrist. And that helps you with uh, balance as well and, and reducing the nausea. We also discovered some uh, gum that you can chew um, that helps alleviate the, the seasickness. Uh, but then the next thing, if you're already seasick and you're just not, it's not working, you're out at sea and your friends are like, this is great, and you're miserable, ask them if you can go for a swim. If you get in the water, and I recommend um, hooking to a mooring ball or if you can anchor or whatever, um, that's great. But what we do is we pick up a mooring ball just offshore. Uh, usually they have them where people like to snorkel or go diving. You pull, uh, hook to this mooring ball and then just jump off the back of the boat. If, you know, most people keep snorkels on board. I like to do that because I don't love uh, being on the surface of the water without being able to see uh, below. So I just go for a little snorkel and, and I encourage my guests to do that. Um, we throw like a, it's a, a raft kind of thing off the back, tying it to a line, um, a, a rope. So they're attached to the boat. So a lot of times if somebody is feeling seasick, like my sister-in-law, a little swim and then she just kind of floated out there on the, the little raft for a while. And that allowed her um, equilibrium to go back to normal and, and stabilize. Because what happens is when you're on the boat and she made them, and this is another tip. <laughs> Boy, I'm just full of tips this morning. Uh, she made the mistake, which if you're seasick, this is a, a big mistake. And it's not her fault because I made the mistake of not telling her never ever ever go down below never so if you are ten if you tend to be seasick or morning sick or car sick plan before you go out to sea make sure to go to the bathroom make sure to change into your bathing suit make sure to have anything you might need out on the upper deck outside out of the out of the inner cabin because she went down below to change into her bathing suit and that is when, because she was, she was low level, kind of feeling not great, but once she went down below, it was game over. She just felt horrible. Because what happens is, if you can't see the horizon and you're looking around you inside the cabin and you feel that motion, your body gets completely confused and that's where the seasickness comes from. Now I know I'm not a doctor and I don't know the technical scientific reason and you guys can write in in the comments to, to clarify my um, naive explanation because I'm, I'm not pretending to be an expert. I just know I have observed a lot of people, not just on our boat now because we've only been aboard a, a month and a half, but on our previous boat uh, we had a lot of the same experiences. Uh, so number one, never go down below when you are underway 
At the marina, it's different because you're you're tied up and you're more secure. Your your boat's not moving as much, and that's another tip and why it's so great if you are toward the seasick tendency uh, side of the spectrum. Then um, you that's why it's really nice if you can get to a marina. Um, then you will it'll kind of get you stable again, you know. So even if you arrive and your friends are like, hey, this is, I'm loving it. We're out snorkeling every day and we're um, on the hook and we, it's so nice because it is nice. I mean, there's so many beautiful things about being out there at sea and being, um, and not having the lights of the marina and the sounds of the marina. Um, and if most people who live on a boat really cherish that, the, the time to be close to nature and not, not being, um, not, being so close to everything but if you're visiting from you know you're a city person or someone who lives in a in a normal neighborhood um, it's okay you're used to those sounds and lights and it's it's okay it's, so in other words what I'm saying is just communicate say uh, to your guests uh, to your hosts I am so excited about this trip I'm a little nervous about um, getting seasick I'd like to um, if it's possible to do a little bit of the roughing it and a little bit of the uh, marina life then I would like to do that so if you're there for four days maybe we could spend one night at a marina just so I can kind of make sure that if I'm you know like maybe your second night spend the first night out on the hook but then have the second night at a marina. It also allows you to go out to the restaurants or whatever else, right? And it, it's nice for the hosts not to have to entertain and cook and, and um, make sure everybody's taken care of because when you go out, everybody, you know, you don't they don't have to clean and worry about such things. So yeah, I didn't realize as I started rambling that that's what I was gonna go into, but these are, the, these are some of the things that I've learned just observed um, and really are solidifying now that I'm, I'm talking and thinking about it. You know, as you, as you're a guest on a boat, it's going to be a very different environment than you expect. Um, and you're so happy to be visiting your family members or friends that you've been wanting to, you've been wanting to do this boat experience and they have been wanting to share it with you, right? <laughs> and. It, there's nothing worse than, as a host, than being so excited to share the, the lifestyle you love with your loved ones and have them absolutely miserable and hating it, okay? That to me is the worst thing because then you feel like, you know, you, it's hard not to take it personally. You feel like they're, you know, rejecting your lifestyle, which is fine. You're, they don't live on a boat. But there are ways to um, to make it work for everyone, so that the people who love to uh, live on a boat are enjoying sharing their favorite things, and the people who don't live on a boat can enjoy as much as possible. Um, you don't have to. You're not moving onto a boat, right? So you don't have to love every part of it. Um, but it's really hard as the host. It's hard enough to host people in a small space but when there's a lot of complaining and misery and people are seasick and people are don't like the food you chose and don't like you know whatever 
it becomes really um, exhausting and it takes away from everybody's experience. So if you can go to the boat as the guest and tell yourself, okay, this is not my environment. I don't need all of my comforts. It's not, it's not supposed to be like a hotel vacation. Um, this is supposed to be a different experience and I'm gonna embrace it as, most, as best I can. And I'm also gonna let my friend or family member know early things that they might be able to do to help me adjust to this environment that is totally foreign to me. I listened to this crazy lady on a podcast and she lives on a boat and she had all these tips um, and you know please uh, consider these few things that I think might help make it easier. Um, the other thing is planning meals ahead of time and talking it through in advance because when you live on a boat there tends to be a lot of seafood um, as options or grilling out grilling on the back deck because you don't really want to cook inside that often because then it becomes more hot uh, especially in, in the you know summer um, and so if you are someone who are a vegetarian or a vegan and you don't eat hot dogs or hamburgers which is or salmon or you know any kind of fish um, then you need to be actively involved in helping find um, creative alternatives because a refrigerator and freezer space is very limited on a boat so you can't expect to just show up and have people like ready to feed you your special you know very picky diet okay you have to find ways to um, help the hosts know how to make you comfortable but you also have to give a little you have to know that your favorite you know um, brand of of soda or whatever you're you're used to you may not have that and you're gonna have to find a way to adjust now here's a tip for someone maybe you come to a boat and and the people don't drink coffee because they're crazy and <laughs> because I believe in coffee I am I am a coffee uh, not a coffee snob I I shouldn't say that but I I, I really love a good cup of coffee and so uh, we learned, my husband and I, wherever we go, because we travel a lot, we learned that not everyone likes coffee. Not everyone uh, will have coffee available for you, and then you will want to jump overboard and be miserable, right? So what we do is we carry uh, from Starbucks, they're expensive, but we carry a package of Starbucks, um, I forget what they call, maybe single, don't know the name of it but it's a single serving coffee that you um, you just boil water you rip off the top it's basically instant coffee but by Starbucks so it's not like instant coffee because anyone who's who likes coffee doesn't like instant coffee um, you may say oh I like instant coffee well then you're not a coffee snob like I am <laughs> most people I know don't like instant coffee so people who are not coffee drinkers, it's very nice that they keep coffee available um, for, the, for their guests who, uh, who are coffee drinkers. But if the coffee you have available is instant coffee, they will thank you and be glad to have something, but it, it's not the same as having coffee that you love, right? So just go out, hosts, if you don't drink coffee, you go get this for them, okay? 
unless it's obviously against your religion, that's a different story. But um, we, you just get these Starbucks single serving packets. They laugh, you just keep them in the cabinet for as long as they need to be there so that when you do have a guest who says, oh, I don't have coffee, you give them uh, you know, a single serving coffee and they're gonna love you forever. Um, so yeah, if you're the coffee drinker and you're visiting and you're not sure if the people that you're visiting uh, drink coffee, bring some single serving because you can always boil water on the stove if they don't have a microwave, which a lot of boats will not. Um, we do, we have a boat, we have a microwave and we have a washer dryer on our boat. But again, because water is limited, we don't use the washer dryer as much as, um, as we would in a house. Um, let's see. I have so many more tips now that I've started rambling and um, I realize, wow, I actually have a lot to say on this subject. So I think I'm going to do a series on tips for people who are visiting uh, people who live on a boat and tips for hosts who are going to be having people stay uh, on their boat. Uh, so I guess this is just the first of many. I hope that these tips help you. I'm sorry for my scatterbrained um, ramblings lately. I will try to be a little bit more thoughtful about planning these episodes so that they have a clear subject line, uh, subject um, to talk about. But I guess that's part of the charm. If you are listening this long, then you like these podcasts. Or if you're listening because you just want to make fun of me, then I'm going to just delete your comments <laughs> because uh, this is my podcast and I uh, enjoy sharing and I hope you enjoy listening. Uh, if you want more of the video side of the spectrum, my show, New Mexicast, all the archives can be found on New Mexicast TV on YouTube. That's New Mexicast TV. Uh, and I do live reporting on facebook.com slash newmexicast or periscope.com slash newmexicast. Thank you so much for tuning in and I hope these tips help. If they do, give me a comment, uh, send, send a note and let me know if this is uh, something you want to hear more about. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Rosalinda Roman and I hope all of you are enjoying New Mexico Castaways. Bye! Thanks for listening to my audio journal from 2016 as our family prepared to move on to the sailing catamaran, Don Treader. If you want to see where we are at the moment, just search for New Mexicast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or Patreon, or for New Mexicast TV on YouTube. Also, if you want to see the videos and photos of the things I'm talking about on this podcast, please consider joining the New Mexico Castaways crew. You can do that at newmexicast.com slash crew. Thanks again for listening and for supporting our enchanting adventures. I'm Rosalinda Roman, and this is New Mexico Castaways.